There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The podcast you are listening to of Holmberg's Morning Sickness is brought to you by my friends at Eric's Family Barbecue in Avondale. Meet, mesquite, repeat. Trust me on this one. You've had barbecue before, but you haven't had it this good. Eric's Family Barbecue in Avondale. Eric'sFamilyBBQ.com. There's only one Eric's Family Barbecue location in Arizona. That's right, just one. It's in Avondale, and it's worth the drive over and over again. Barbecue restaurants that have several locations usually cut their quality for expansion. Not Eric's Family Barbecue. Eric serves Texas-style barbecue that never disappoints, always delicious, never rushed, and prepared to perfection. Now, we know brisket is king, but have you tried their pulled pork with coleslaw? It's a match made in heaven. Eric's Family Barbecue in Avondale. Meet, mesquite, repeat. Go to ericsfamilybbq.com for more information. Still streaming. Holmberg's Morning Sickness. Online at 98kupd.com. I can say it right now. This man does not have to do this at all. I don't know There's something wrong. There is something not right with this. Adam Carolla has not only set an alarm to get up to do this in the morning, but is on a morning radio show here locally which uh, tells me that you're slumming it for some reason. Maybe there's a new Mangria flavor. Yeah, is that it? Are you selling? I miss John. (laughs) That must be it. (laughs) That was it. I'd have have popped by and taken you to lunch. Waking up for a morning radio show is no fun for anyone, unless you're getting paid. You know, I did morning radio for like three and a half years, and I hated every single (laughs) single second What was the worst part for you? Um, Getting up was was bad. Yeah. And then at some point you get fired and you think, good, I don't have to get up. But then you go, I don't have a job. So then that's worse. So it was all it was all bad. Oh, you know, the worst part about morning radio, you guys must experience this, is if you're in a social setting, like you will be over the Christmas break and you'll be at some in-laws or some family or some partners or something and friends and you'll be talking and someone will go, what do you do? And then you go, I do morning radio. And then they go, oh, what time do you have to get up? Yeah. Yeah. Go, oh, yeah. Every time. And then you go, like 4.45, and they yeah. go, oh, my God, I would kill myself. <laughs> Which, it's, it's not good etiquette. No, you know what I mean? Because no. let's just say, he said, like, like, I go, what do you do? And she went, oh, I work with special needs kids. <laughs> oh, my God, I'd kill myself. <laughs> like, if you took it and applied yeah. it to a postal anything sorting else. center, <laughs> what time anything, do you get up? Oh, my God, I yeah. would kill myself. It's essentially hey, saying God. your life is a complete failure. How are you still alive? I mean, right. It's, it's painful, but that is the exact conversation I have with everyone. So we've started the thing where we try to say something horrible instead of morning radio to see what kind of questions oh, you get. Oh, like I'm a publicist. Oh, no. <laughs> or, or that. <laughs> well, we, we've, we've changed it a little bit differently. We make baby coffins or something like that just to see what, the, what their reaction is. And it's better than saying I do morning radio, which nobody ever says I'd kill myself with baby coffin guy. No. No. And no, I've, I've used construction. coffin. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I make one big one for me, a bunch of tiny ones for the kids. But yeah, you try to say something horrible and nobody has anything to say. Radios, it's just awful. Like people well, because then they, they then they reverse engineer it. They go, you go to bed. If, you get up at four forty five. 
So you got to go to bed at noon. <laughs> yeah. they, they, don't, yeah. they can't wrap their mind right. around it. Oh, the streetlights aren't on yet, yeah. and you go to bed. It's, it, Are it, you able to watch uh, uh, any of the like evening news shows? <laughs> or can, How connected are you to the society? Right, my, my, that and the what's your name. On the radio, yeah, you it's tell Beth. Yeah. and they just look. Yeah, it's John. Oh, yeah, okay. Just, I, I would, just, I would struggle if someone started saying a name to me that wasn't mine. I would. I don't think I'm smart enough to ever catch on to a fake name. And people say John, like John Holmberg, is that your real name? I'm like, no, that's I'm yeah. Drake Midnight. That's my radio but, yeah, name. I, I, I changed it to John Holmberg for <laughs> Dick Weidman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm Dick Weidman, but I didn't think that would fly on the radio, so I went with this Jewish Swedish thing that says flying. It's a great one. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm Du St. Clair. <laughs> That's what my license says. I go by John Holmberg, who, uh, yeah. by the way, they did a re- the research on my name. Someone did and sent to me. And it's a name that, like, no one has. He was a comedian in Sweden in the 1800s, a guy named John Holmberg. I don't know if I'm related or not. I opened for that guy. Did you? You've been around for a long time, Adam. It's funny. This guy invented uh, the rubber chicken, but his little twist was to do it in blackface and blackface the chickens. Oh really? Yeah. Yes. So he's the he's the he's the preeminent rubber chicken, black faced rubber chicken entertainer in Swedish history. Definitely related. And wow. somebody sent that to me, so they they Googled my name, and that guy came up. He invented the rubber chicken. Well, he was using real chickens for a while, and realized this wasn't going so well. And then they they came up with like a prosthetic of some type. And- I did a deep dive on my heritage, and uh, Giuseppe Carolla was also an old world <laughs> Italian who invented the whoopee cushion. Is that right? Come on, do it in blackface. <laughs> Yeah, that's why we have a bond. Adam. Sit is, on it. Yeah. <laughs> we always have. Now, if you could get in a time machine and go back to whenever 1985, uh-huh. and tell Adam Carolla in 1985, mm-hmm. you're going to be an important voice on mm. uh, in politics and in pop culture and society. Would that guy have believed you? No, not at all. No, in 1985, I was driving a truck, like a beat up pickup truck, going from construction site to construction yeah. site you know, doing labor, probably worked my way up to sort of half a carpenter by 85. But, but you just, would never have thought beginning. at that time, I got, there's, there's there's actually a big thing coming for me. No, no. I, as a matter of fact, you know, I do I do sort of play this game with myself. I did it the other day. Like if, if, I, if you said to me, you can make $37,000 a year for the rest of your life, but you need to sign this contract with the devil right. like in 1985. But you can never make a penny more, <laughs> but you won't make a penny less than $37,000 right. a year. And you'll have some dental, but no medical. <laughs> <laughs> I, and and, and four-day Four personal days a year, and you get the day after Christmas off, but not the day before Christmas off. <laughs> I would have signed me that the paper. deal. I would have signed that deal in yeah. a heartbeat. No kidding. Absolutely. Yeah. So you thought this was you were blue collar Adam Carolla that was never built for anything more. I was, you know, I was by the hour. So you know, yeah. I started off cleaning carpets. That was six bucks an hour. Then I got into you know construction labor. That was seven bucks an hour, and I was so by the hour. I was riding a motorcycle at the time, and my foreman said, if you buy a pickup truck, I'll give you another dollar an hour. <laughs> and I went out and bought a beat-up, like, Mazda, you know, yeah. 70s pickup truck, showed up to get my Just for safety's sake. He yeah, wanted, he I didn't would, want you crashing. And you could haul stuff. You could haul more money, yeah. probably. Yeah, he didn't care about my Yeah, I was going to say, was it, was it you <laughs> that were reckless on the no. bike? No, he just wanted a hauler. No, but I do remember him saying something that I thought was 
funny, which is I would take my tool bags when I rode my motorcycle and I would fasten them and I'd sling them around my neck like a bandolero oh, wow. belt. Yeah. That's the only way I could – how are you going to carry tool bags right. on a on a motorcycle? Right. And I'd put it around my neck and I'd, I'd come pulling up to the job with this thing around my neck. And my foreman looked at me and he went, what are you doing? And I said, I, that's how I get around. And he goes, oh. He goes, that's how I got all those flat tires on the freeway. Drywall screws fell out of my bags and he was driving behind me. He, he wanted to blame everything right. on me. So, <laughs> you know, I got eight bucks an hour and then I was like trying to get nine bucks an hour and it was 10 bucks an hour. And then like the big breakthrough was doing earthquake rehab for the city of Los Angeles. And that bumped me temporarily to like 1750 an hour. Is that where you met Dr. Drew? Uh, at that rehab center? Yes. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, I know, yeah. I know, I'm not sure I understood <laughs> it. trying to do the math there. Uh, uh, earthquake proofing. I see. Old, okay. Old buildings. Um, but no, everything for me was by the hour. How much How much could I get per hour? Yeah. And know? then that was it. That was where your brain lived. my world. And then yeah. somewhere along the line, you met our boss, Trip Reeve, and he made your life different. That's right. <laughs> if you can imagine it, Trip's not here today. No, I, I, I had, a, I had a very prescient uh, conversation with Trip Reeb. I think when he was trying to hire me for uh, coming on to uh, to do Loveline yeah. a million years ago at K Rock Radio, I had little flashes of of wisdom, even as a younger person. Yeah. But but by now I'd done construction. By the time I met Trip, I'd done construction for. 12, 11 or 12 right. years, you know, and I was just breaking into radio and he, we sat in the office. He wanted me to take over on Loveline and he said, I'm prepared to make you the highest paid part-time employee at this station. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, so that would be van drivers and maintenance right. guys. Right? Yeah. right. But you're going to be the king of that. And the guy yeah, refills the vending machine. <laughs> right. And and I remember I was philosophical about it. I just said, uh, Trip, if that is your real name. <laughs> I said, uh, I didn't get into this to make money. Like, I'm just thrilled to be sitting and talking and not, you know, up on the roof or right. crawling in the crawl space. I said, I didn't get into this to make money. And, and if you had no money, I, I would do it for free. I'm not here for the money. But I also didn't get into it to make you money. I want whatever my money right. is from whatever this is. Right. So not a penny more, but whatever that is, and I'm guessing it's more than the highest paid part-time employee. <laughs> <laughs> and he responded uh, in – 11 bucks an hour. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> nice. I, I had to buy a van. <laughs> and I had to do sticker stops. Yeah. And yeah. haul all your stuff around it. your neck. And we're doing yeah. sticker stops. Yeah, of course you're doing sticker <laughs> stuff. If you carry in your pockets, you're not right. going to put that in the van and sully that. He might need it to move. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, trip's great, but his stories are legendary for the people he's run into and all the stuff that he's gone through. And I've talked to you about that before, which I find hysterical because it is very trip read that that's the compliment you get, and you realize about halfway through the sentence, like I'm not. I, I think I just got called the smartest dumb guy. I think that's yeah. basically <laughs> what I was just told, and he's good at it. Trip, trip. I would like twelve dollars an hour. <laughs> no, no, and thank you. Trip, <laughs> trip had another diabolical move, which is. The accounting department was handed out all the checks, you know. Uh, when I started at K Rock, I started as like I got paid per bit. I got paid fifty bucks a bit in the morning show, so I was doing bits. Right. And I would come in on Fridays to get my check. And the accounting office was right next to Trip. Trip had the corner office, the accounting office, 
and the the count the head accountant always had the checks locked in her drawer. Uh-huh. So she she had a desk drawer with a lock on it, and I'd I'd come in on Friday. I go where are the checks because I was living. You ha- needed paycheck it. to paycheck. Yeah. I, I did you know four bits. They owed me two hundred bucks. Right. You know, and four the week before whatever it is. So they you know I got a four hundred dollar check, and I'd, I'd say where's Cynthia the accountant, and they'd go. She's at the track. <laughs> she would go to the track, the horse track, this is the accountant, on, on Fridays. And then I'd go, well, I need my check. And they go, oh, yeah, it's in her drawer. Cynthia locks her drawer. And then she goes to the track. And then I would go to Trip, his office. I'd go, hey, I got to get paid. And she'd go, Cynthia's at the track. <laughs> that go, was reasonable. I'd, I'd go, but we should be able to get the checks, right? Yeah, her, her drawer's locked. <laughs> I'd go, she takes the key. And I'd Dude, go, All I'm right, screwed. That was track. it. You just say to go home. And everybody just accepted that Cynthia wasn't there to pay anyone. She's, she's gambling. I, so we have to do with your landlord. Yeah. Hey, hey she's, at track. Track. Post. Yeah. she's at the track. I'll I get would, it tomorrow. I made some beef about it on the air, and then it got back to Cynthia, and then she got mad. And <laughs> she was, you took her track day. She was you of did. a certain Asian descent, and it was a different time, and I made some I remark know. about going down the Ho Chi Minh Trail to yeah. get her check, and... And they came, came running over and started screaming at me, and Cynthia was pissed, and everyone got yeah. angry. Well, thank so. you for being so delicate and not giving away yeah. that uh, bit of bigotry. <laughs> when no one can figure it out your my, puzzle. My character did it. Yeah, it of me. course. Was it the PE coach? Uh, yeah, yeah, a wood shop coach. Oh, okay. Was, that's a, a wood shop teacher who was essentially a PE coach. <laughs> I know a wood shop teacher. Uh, yeah. Adam's at the Tempe Improv if you want to go tonight and uh, tomorrow. Two shows. Uh, you got your stand-up show at 9.45 and your podcast. Are you doing podcasts on each one or just a- – Yeah, two live podcasts, Fantastic. Friday, Saturday, 7 o'clock, and then the 9.45 be a stand-up And I, I have been a guest on that before this time, obviously not invited. I apologize for why ever I – Yeah, it's well, uncomfortable, but <laughs> – It is awkward. <laughs> I, I found a funnier – Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. Yeah. You got a better guy. Yeah. And, then, and the worst part is, is like, uh, I want to come down there and uh, rub it in his face. And that's basically <laughs> what I feel like that happens. John, I, I will say this. I, I have done this all over over the country i've been to many many different venues and we have asked the local guy come on out uh you never know what you're gonna get yeah but john is good john's good on his feet he's good in front of a crowd you don't know Good on his knees (laughs) that is true i was waiting for that one (laughs) you don't know what you're gonna get with radio guys some guys hit the stage, you know, like a marlin in open water. But most guys do not, do yeah. not. But John, what, right out, right out there yeah, and just thank you. brought brought the heat, man. It was fun. Well, it's, it's a blast. And like you said, you, you gave me something. I carry something because of what you said once. We were mm. talking off stage or backstage uh, about some something. Apolo- somebody was apologizing for something. Somebody always is. And you said something uh, that I carry with me because I think it's just brilliant is uh, I'll never apologize to a mob. A mob is always wrong. Yeah. And that, for whatever reason, was like that's – without knowing it, that's exactly what I've thought the entire time. But I just never had a way to put that. And it's, and it's so true to how you've been, which is why you're kind of Teflon to all the BS that goes on where people are canceled and this and that. If you don't apologize to the – Gilbert Gottfried was here that one time after the Aflac thing. Mm-hmm. And actually said, my biggest mistake was how and why I apologized. I didn't mean it. I was saving money. And right. I apologized to a mob of people that tried to just tell me how to think. And I, didn't, I hadn't done anything wrong. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this. 
and you know the playbook, the apology playbook that the publicist handed out is is twenty five years old, and we need to update sure. it. Oh yeah, because the, it was always look, you did something or you upset somebody, whatever. Then you get out in front of it, and then you apologize, and then it goes away, and then you keep your job. Right. Well, that ended about ten years ago, <laughs> yeah. but nobody updated the playbook. Yeah. So. Then what happened was is people get into trouble and someone goes, well, just, you know, you're the host of The Bachelor or you're whoever it is. Like, just, just go apologize and then you, you apologize and then you lose your job and yeah. then all whatever would have happened to you happened to you away. anyway. Yeah. And then – but here's the most important part. You get on a list of people who apologize. Yeah. And then they will forever be coming to you for apologies. If you <laughs> remove yourself from the list and get on another list, which is the list of people that tell you to kiss my ass, then they don't come back they to you. They don't bother you. Yeah. They don't. I say horrible things all day, every day, <laughs> sometimes outside my own house. And nobody ever asked me to apologize right. because it's not. They're not getting You're it. not going to get it out of this guy. It, right. we, we had a situation here in town where the bishop in, in the city hit a guy with his car and killed him mm. and drove home because he'd been drinking. And his first call the next day was to a windshield repair shop. Hadn't told anybody they had a dead Native American uh, mm. in his garage. Right. And uh, said, well, what are you going to do? And so we started to call, uh, you know like window repair yeah. all morning long on his behalf and trying to get him a good deal because that was evidently the most important thing in his get life. Get 12 dinners out well, on a new windshield. The Catholic diocese went bananas saying that we were wrong. It was in the headline of the paper that we were harassing him. And I'm like, hold on. He, he killed someone and drove away from it. And I sat in a room with my boss who at the time was like, you can't mess with these people, apologize. And a guy who wanted me to do a public apology. And in my head, I thought, I'm not doing that. I'll apologize to... Anyone I feel like I've offended, but you're trying to ridicule me. You're trying to embarrass me, and that's going to live with me forever if I do it. And they never bothered me again. Yeah, you like the know, second I didn't do what they asked, it was over. You know where the like sort of clearest example of this is is um, oh oh god, I'm trying to I'm blanking out because I got four hours sleep last <laughs> yeah, night. This is why you don't do more. Uh, <laughs> Scientology. Oh, okay. So Scientology. So when I was doing Loveline. Um, back in like 1998, we called me and Dr. Drew. I don't know which one said it, but we called Scientology a cult, right? right? Scientology had a grip on everybody with a microphone back then. Like if you crossed Scientology, it, people would be like, you're, you're, you're done. They're going to hurt you. Right. Don't do like, it. It yeah. wasn't even, it wasn't even like you'll lose your job. It's like you're yeah. going to lose your a leg. Yeah. Like you don't mess with Scientology. And there was this big kind of wizard behind the curtain thing with Scientology. So they actually prepared a written statement for us to read on the air, not to apologize to them, but a script where I'd be like, hey, John, remember we were talking about Scientology the other day? And you're like, yeah, I know. I remember that conversation. Well, you called it a cult, and you know what? I did some research, and I found out <laughs> it is not a cult. Then you'd go, yeah, I feel bad I said that. As a matter of fact, like they sent us a script to read. How wow. bold? Yeah. You want yeah. to know how bold you are? Yeah. You send over a script and just go, just read this the next day. Yeah. They didn't have to say it or else. I then <laughs> started to read it and then started screaming at them and made fun of them and whatever. But people were like – they're they'll follow yeah. you. Yeah, like yeah. They you're will, in trouble. They will f you up. Well, what happened was is they'd convinced everyone they were going to destroy their life, but 
then 10 years later, 15 years, you know, Leah Remedy yeah. starts, and, and everyone comes <laughs> out and starts, there's no, yeah. but there's nothing there. Right. They didn't do anything. Not a thing. They didn't do anything to me in 1998 when they were like at the height of their powers, but they freaked everyone out. Yeah. And they had you thinking that, you, you know, you're going to protect your own. So they were, they did it to me a couple of times. We made fun of Scientology and they sent me letters immediately saying, come down and take the test if you, if you were so open-minded to it. I'm like, I'm not open-minded to it. I think you guys are crazy. And they harassed me with letters and stuff that were basically saying, you don't understand, we're going to straighten this out and everything. And I was like, this did get weird. Bring on the paddles. Not only that, they sent mm-hmm. it to my house. Right. That was their real kind of nuanced move that were mailing things to my address. It wasn't, a, it, the, the letter didn't matter. It was, we know where you live. Right. And yeah. then that, that would scare a person who They got, messed with him more than me because they're like, we can't touch him. He's got yeah. a stronger, he's already <laughs> yeah, Brady in was, his yeah, deal. Yeah. And, he's, good, he's got a, a death you know, grip is let's what go they were with Reagan. Yeah, they, they went with a kid who looks like he's got cancer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were attacking me, of course. But no, I mean, that was a moment where you're like, okay, do I protect the family? Are they going to buy? And so it does register in your head, like, just get him off my back. Yeah, but just apologizing anymore does Doesn't not. Work. It's an admission of guilt now. Well, no, that, one, no one's ever happy with it. First, I mean, no, like there's there's no win. win. Well, yeah. then they go, "You only apologize because we threatened it." And it's like, yeah. yeah, well, true, but <laughs> it's also <laughs> good point. It, <clears throat> it's essentially like putting a saucer of milk out in your backyard because you go, "Oh, there's a feral cat and yeah. he looks hungry," so I'll just. I'll just put the saucer milk out there, and then the next day there's two cats out yeah. there, and then you're putting more. It's like there's just more. You, it's never you just ending. establish yourself as someone who doesn't apologize. Exactly. And and, and, I, and I mean, it has to be a, a, a lifestyle. Like if, if I'm on a municipal bus and I step on a woman's foot, yeah. I don't apologize. <laughs> That's goddamn right. You're goddamn right. Talk to Scientology. Get your foot out of my way. Write your letter. Because it's a slippery slope. I apologize to you. Next thing you know, I'm on air. Right. Exactly. Now you got people, I've heard them apologize before, so now you're capable. No, never, ever. Especially with wives and kids. Forget it. It's over. Yeah. Never. Do like women have done. They never apologize. They say, I'm sorry you feel this way. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, well, they, they don't. They can apologize, but yeah, they never admit they're wrong. No, they 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 do not have a reverse gear. They yeah. don't admit they're wrong, and the reason they don't do that is because then they would have to correct whatever behavior right. you were talking about <laughs> right. that they're, they're taking to the grave. So that's never <laughs> that's never going to happen. Yeah, it's going to be there forever. So you have insane yeah. you have insane conversations with women, and I have too, where I'm like. I'm not trying to be right. I'm trying to prevent this from right. happening again. And if you're saying you weren't involved with whatever just happened, yeah. then it's never going to get corrected. I'm, I'm talking to a wall. It doesn't matter. Maybe they have the right idea. Maybe that's the solution in the future that the you know Chris Harrison from The Bachelor should have just said, I'm sorry, black people are so mad. Yeah. <laughs> just turn it around on them. Like, wait a minute. That's not an apology. Well, I think it's um, – I think there is a kind of new world order, which is like – which is – it interests me a lot because I thought the computer was going to fix a lot of things. Like you you go, you know, hey, Joe Biden, shouldn't you go down to the border? He's like, I've been to the border. <laughs> you have? <laughs> yeah. I've seen it. Well, what about Kamala Harris, the border czar? Yeah, she's been there. You've been there? <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't been there, but we've been there. You have? Wait a minute. Like there's this new world yeah. order – where I, it used to be – so I used to think of life this way. It's like three people in, in an elevator, one guy farts. <laughs> like uh, three people in an elevator and I fart. I could pass it off on the third guy. Yeah. 
and and if there's five guys in the elevator, I'm I'm scot free, right? right? Like, I'm just looking <laughs> yeah. at you. I got my poker face on, right? But now we're living in a new world order, and this is what it's like arguing with women, where there's two people in the elevator. And the person farts and is blaming me. And I'm going, you know, I, I, I would know, know this, this yes. right? I would know this because I'm here. And they go, absolutely not. We've been to the border. <laughs> been to the border. You've never been to the border. Yes, I have. Uh, well, then, where are we now? But and then, it's, ding, it's, the door's open and it's a new world. It's You're, kind of the politic yeah. way. It's it's kind of the new thing now. We've noticed it's, people say with a straight face. Yeah, it's not double talk. It's Jedi speak. Have you... I have never spoken to my son about his business ever. And I'm like, <laughs> if your son had a soft swirl ice cream stand in Pasadena, right. it would come up. Right. Yeah. You would discuss right. business. Yeah. If it was a pool cleaning business. <laughs> right. You would, at, at Thanksgiving, you would go, How's what are you the, doing? How the accounts yeah. going? Are you thinking about buying a second truck? Yeah. Like, it would come up. Yeah. Especially if you see his new house and you're never, like, wow, things are going well. Not I've once. never spoken to him about his business yeah. ever. Joe wouldn't do that because he knows deep down he can't. But can. this is uh, two guys in the <laughs> elevator and one guy farted. Like, yeah. like the, the, the normal answer would be like, yeah, he's my son. We've talked business before yeah. just like anyone talks with their, their yeah. son. I didn't do anything wrong. I just asked him how it's going. You know, like, but nope, yeah. never. Do you find being the voice of logic uh, exhausting? Yeah. It is, isn't it? I, it, 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 it You're is, talking to yeah. a wall. It yeah. is brutal. Yeah. It's brutal. And you like to hear it because people will email and go, finally, you, you, you know, you're know, you using logic, John. This makes sense to me. Like, finally, someone can say something logical. And then you get the people who are like, you're just a corporate shill for the, the media's control. Whatever, you have to and be on I've, one side or the other. I've never been on one of those meetings where it's like, here's what we're doing as media. It's never I, happened, but it, being a voice of logic is exhausting because it feels good when people tell you that, but nobody actually is using it. I was talking to a friend of my uh, wife's woman friend, you know, she was a nice lady and stuff like that, like several years ago when uh, Matt Damon basically said, like, uh, let's not lump everyone in with Weinstein, you know, right. let's not lump Al Franken in with Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. And they're, they, they're not the same. And I was like, yeah, totally, 100%. And yeah. she's like, what is Matt Damon talking about? Just shut <laughs> up. Like she kept yelling, just shut up about Matt Damon. And right. I was like, no, he's 100% right. Yeah. He's 100% right. Oh, my God, just shut up, Matt Damon. You don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, what is going on? Something oh, yeah. is going on. The, yeah. People are losing it. The ability yeah. to think, it, it's, it's insane. The subtle nuance is missing. No one knows. It's either this way or this way. And I, I've always said, I think we, we built computers to be like our brains, but we didn't really think of our brains using them. And they can overload. And I think there's just too much information, too much to process, so we pick the easiest routes. And no one knows how to be logical. No one knows how to say, Matt Damon's right. There's nuance to what Harvey did and what someone else did. Uh, but when you lump them in a hashtag, it's over. I got a mob well, mentality. Because it makes people think and people hate But them. I'll tell you, I think it's more than just like a mentality or like a mob thing. I think what's going on is there's something behind it. And what's behind it is we're not out working with our hands. We're not out in the fields. We're not raising barns. We're not fixing <laughs> we're wagons soft. or anything. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not about soft, although we are soft. Oh, yeah. What's going on is... 
when you go out and you build all day, it could be a bridge, you could be fixing a transmission in a car, you could be raising a barn, it doesn't matter. It's like, it's all logic. It's 100% gravity, engineering, and logic. Like when you're setting up scaffolding outside a house, you got to go up to the second floor and you got to cut stucco and stuff. You don't have feelings about, (laughs) you know, this is a way, in my heart, this is how, I know scaffolding in my heart, you know what I mean? Because... You're coming down on your head. Yeah. You have no, there's no like, you have your feelings about scaffolding. I have my feelings about scaffolding and yeah. I follow my feelings. There's none of that. It's just, it's just gravity and engineering. It's gravity right. and engineering. And when you think that way, all the guys I know who are blue collar know how to think because everything's yeah. very linear to them. So Har- Harvey Weinstein and Al Franken are two different things to, to them. And they know how to, so then we all moved indoors. We all got air conditioning. We all sat at a computer. We all sat in a cubicle and we lost our kind of reasoning mind. Yeah. Not, not the one that does numbers and spelling and all that stuff, but our put stuff together, <laughs> like out in the woods, make a shelter, like real nuts and bolts kind of thinking. That's, that's gone is yeah. if people move off the construction site and into the office yeah. building, We've lost our ability to think. And dads don't hit you anymore when you're not being logical. Yes. That's a that's bigger right. fact. Like my dad used to look at me and know when I wasn't being logical and I was being emotional and I got in trouble for Knock that. it off. Like that's where you find like be smarter than that. Did he use a slipper, a belt, a paddle? Uh hand. Hand. He liked hand. Nope. nope. <laughs> no, no, he didn't belt. like he did, it wasn't like carrot top of abuse. I was he, thinking he was of this. Straight hand. Here's a little uh mind mind game. Uh, a lot of people got <laughs> beat by a belt right right yeah. and then you get like 10 lashes with the belt yeah whatever you i did. would argue that i would get a reversible belt <laughs> because then you'd only need five <laughs> lashes because it would technically count as, as two each well yeah. if there was a suede side like a brown side yeah, and a black right. side best belts <laughs> I could make that argument if I had a logical father. Yeah. I think I really, That's a pretty smart argument. Really, just talk yeah. this through. Yeah, but guys hitting you with belts don't like that phrase. There, let's talk this out. It's let's pretty much ending. Just added a couple book. more. Yeah. I think I'd have got ten more yeah. if yeah, I yeah, suggested exactly. that. Yeah, that's a. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Adam, it's always good to have you here. You're well. It's the first time you've ever been here. It's good to have you in town. Yeah. Who are your guests this weekend? Uh, Dickie Barrett from the Boston's lead singer from the oh, Boston's cool. is a great dude who lives out here as well is, uh, coming up for the Saturday show. Saturday I think night. so. And then, uh, James T Harris, who wears a poncho, is <laughs> well, we gotta out, have that guy, <laughs> uh, on Friday show. Is that who he's most known for? To me, man who wears poncho is a guest. That's how he's known. Wow. You've guy. interviewed William Shatner and this poncho. guy. Now. <laughs> that's pretty solid. Yes. <laughs> Who's your favorite interview you've done? Over mm. here? You've had a lot of great guests. Man, I mean, I was just we were replaying some Kirstie Alley stuff oh, yeah. from a couple years ago, and I was like, God, she man, was funny. She was, she was a smart cookie. Yeah. Shatner's awesome. I, I just interviewed uh, Leno. Just did a long form after the on, fire. During the fire. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like, your car guys, you were probably was, there. You were the there. <laughs> well, that's good. That's, man, uh, is that Hot a- Mike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, right after. I mean, just okay. before, Immediately after. Well, you know, uh, about two weeks. Uh, I did oh, really? about a week ago or, or and so. And he's just full of puns about it's it It's amazing. Like, he, yeah. went, he went to the hospital and wrote. Yes. Oh, he he showed me pictures from his phone. Though. Yeah. He was a bloody, he was a, he gory mess. He got torched. Gory mess, yeah. like yeah, it was a crime scene. Uh, he was great. A shan- I mean, 
a lot of really good, even like Sean Penn and guys yeah, like that. Some great Just stuff. Talk some really interesting people. Isn't it amazing? Like this life you thought would be seventeen dollars an hour, thirty-seven grand a year, and here you are talking to Sean Penn about like things that matter. Right, but it's weird, isn't well, it? What am I doing this morning? That's what I'm asking. Yeah, That's, that was what I was leading to. I don't know yeah, what you're back to. Eleven day. bucks yeah. an hour. I, I assumed you're doing that Springsteen <laughs> thing. Where you're just trying to let the people know you're one of them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you're really not kind of playing. You're, 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 we're with us, but are you? Yeah, you wouldn't have got him. I don't know why you got up, but I'm glad you make did. Make a wish. So. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank Thanks. you. Yeah. Yeah. Have, a, have a great holiday, and uh, it's awesome to see you again. Adam Carolla at the Tempe Improv tonight and tomorrow. Uh, happy holidays, man. Thank you. It's 98. Arizona's most powerful rock radio station. He said fully erect. 98. You've been listening to Holmberg's Morning Sickness Podcast, brought to you by our friends at Eric's Family Barbecue in Avondale. Meet Mesquite. Repeat, ericsfamilybbq.com.